1: The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily.
3: Welcome to Football Social Daily. We've got that Friday feeling as we look ahead to a weekend of Premier League action. It's a bit blowy in the UK at the moment. Hopefully all those Premier League fixtures survive and we'll have a full preview of everything that's going on in the weekend with the pros on the dugout that is out later today. Narmacorn with two former pros discussing the weekend's action. Although we will delve into a little bit of the weekend's fixtures shortly. We'll be doing some predictions ahead of the Premier League fixtures kicking off. We're also going to talk about Leicester's adventure in the Europa Conference League, the tournament that Brendan Rodgers claimed to have forgotten about and knew nothing about. But they... Had an impressive win in that, so we'll talk about that shortly on Football Social Daily and we're going to talk first about England. Although the World Cup may feel like a long way away, what would happen if it was tomorrow? Who would make that England cut in Gareth Southgate's squad? I'm Jim Salverson and with me on today's podcast, Marley Anderson. How are you doing, Marley?
4: Yeah, good. All, uh, all good. Just uh, trying to survive these wins and uh, not lose my... My wheelie
3: bins, which have been on the
4: for about two days now.
3: <laughs> have you seen the video that's doing the rounds? Look, and this is completely unfootball related. <laughs> yeah. But there's a video from yeah. last year's storm that was taken in Tooting in London, which shows a wheelie bin. And if you're not from the UK, I've realised recently that only people in the UK know what wheelie bins are. If you're from the States, you've got no idea. It's a bin on wheels, basically. But there's massive wheelie bin being blown around, like 40, 50 foot up in the air. It's incredible. Get onto it. Give it a Google if you've not seen it, because it is... It's a special video. Uh, Joel Tudor's here as well. How are you doing, Joel?
0: Yeah, just finished boarding up all my windows for uh, the inevitable just one wheelie bin on the on its floor. So <laughs> we'll see how that are, goes. Are Your
3: wheelie bin's still on terra firma at the moment? <laughs> Pretty
0: much. Good to hear.
3: Good to hear. There'll be different weather issues when England and the rest of the world... Head out to Qatar this winter for the World Cup. It will be more heat that they have to deal with. We are now officially 276 days away from the World Cup finals kicking off. But I was thinking this week, even though there's a fair way to go until the World Cup, if Gareth Southgate had to make his decisions based on current form and players who are playing well at the moment, who would be in? And who would be out of that World Cup squad? So that is what we're going to start with on today's Football Social Daily. Now, this all started off with the debate around Jared Bowen at the moment, to be honest with you. He's having a great season for West Ham, my team. He's getting plaudits all over the shop, being linked with big moves. And he's got the second highest assist slash goal combination in the Premier League at the moment, just behind Mohamed Salah. So, if he keeps this up until we get into that December period, Marley, do you think... Jared Bowen is going to be not only in the England squad but potentially in the England starting 11 and how exactly does he fit into Southgate's system if he does uh I think you could expect him to be in the squad however
4: I think I think this happens with a lot of uh a lot of players when they're playing really well that you can't sort of leave them out um but getting into the team is an entirely different thing I, I don't think Bowen could could move anybody out of that team if I'm honest um I think I, see, I seen a tweet the other day saying I'm looking looking forward to Jared Bowen's uh 33 minutes in Qatar at left wing back um in the in the winter because it's it's just it's hard to get into that team and uh, you know the 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 system Southgate wants to play we don't know it yet but if it's a back 3 he doesn't he doesn't fit into that um if it's uh, a more sort of conventional 4-3-3 I don't, West Ham haven't been playing 4 3 3 all season. They've been playing 4 2 3 1, haven't they? So if you're probably looking at that and thinking, is that sort of the system he needs to, like, does he need that system to to sort of push his way past someone in the team? Because whatever he does, when he comes in, it, when he does come into that squad, and I expect him to be in that squad for the next internationals in March, um, I would expect him to, to get a chance there, but he has to hit the ground running really quickly because. I think the way he's come through. If you compare him to other players like Foden, Sterling, Sancho, they've been like superstars from day one, um, and they've took sort of everything in their stride. And Bowen's been round the houses. Had to work his way up the leagues from the Championship into the Premier League, um, and when you get to that sort of peak level with England, I think it's like it's just one of them where you've got to hit. It. You've just got to take it in your stride and and not be overawed and sort of not have any. Um, sort of fear that you're in the England squad. I don't know how he's going to react to it. So it's all it's all sort of for the future to, to work itself out. But if he carries on playing like that, uh, like he is now and he doesn't go, then he'd probably be the most unlucky man in the world, to be honest.
3: Is that a failing of Gareth Southgate, Joel? The fact that he is relatively tactically inflexible. He's always made a big deal about picking players that are in form. And he does tend to pick players that are in form to be in the squad, but he rarely picks those players to start. In the starting eleven, he's definitely got his favourites. I mean, is that how you should behave as an international manager? Or should you go, well, here are the 11 players that I think are in form at the moment. I need to pick a tactic and pick a formation that kind of crowbars those players in. Um, well, I think Southgate's earned the right
0: to be a little bit more inflexible in terms of his system. Because obviously he's got to a semi-final of a World Cup, a final of the Euros. So clearly what he's doing is working well way better than what's been happening in the past. Um, But like we've seen, he does have his favourites as well. For example, I'm really interested to see if Calvin Phillips partners Rice in the midfield, considering Phillips has pretty much not played at all this season. Um, Because there's many midfielders now who will be asking for that place, particularly Jude Bellingham, which I think is the next guy who could potentially challenge him in in that centre midfield. So it'll be really interesting because there's a lot of players who featured massively in the last two three years for Southgate like Harry Kane for example even though he's the captain and he's in his worst season of his career you have to say that he probably will start it's a strange one with England because you have some players who are amazing for the national team but then when they go back to the club then they never reach those levels mm. like you could I can name so many John on the Pickford. top. yeah Pickford's a one massive one Harry Maguire is a massive one uh, Jack Grealish at the moment is probably one you would say, um, and then obviously Phillips and there's there's quite a few who you is, when they get picked they're not going to be picked on form because going into this tournament, judging on what's going on at the moment they're just nowhere near some of the other players who are playing decently better than them at the moment. Uh, but I think it's wise to pick the players who actually up their form for England because. For club level, sometimes it just doesn't seem to happen where it's a different system. I think you can namely say Harry Maguire is one of them where he, when you, when he's in a three-back at England, he seems way more protected. He's got pacier players around him. He's got a little bit more protection, less pressure probably uh, because at United, obviously, he's the captain. He's in a two-back. Um, his full-backs are a little bit of a liability. So is the midfield in front of him. So he, he has a different... Game when he's playing for England. He's a bit more like Maldini for England and been Titus Bramble for mm. United at the moment. So um, it's, <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's a, it'll be a tricky one, but I'm really interested to see because especially on the wings, you've got uh, Sancho and Saka who I've been pretty impressed with, especially Sancho in the last month or so. Um, Rashford's another one who you just don't know. I, I think he's a bench player now for England personally. So it'd be interesting to see if Southgate does continue that, basis of going off form rather than uh, you know players who are just his favourites or you know higher stature which I don't tend to think he goes for.
3: A Couple of players you mentioned there that I want to dig into a little bit. One Rashford we'll come back to him in a second ago but Harry Maguire undoubtedly being in poor form for Manchester United getting quite a lot of the flack from Manchester United fans for his performances but maybe you're right. When you are a centre back you are culpable when you don't have necessarily the protection in front of you from your full backs or from your midfield. So maybe it's not all his fault. But on his current form, does he make that England cut? And if he isn't making the England cut, what are the other options? Is he in there? Because there's very little at centre-back that can kind of come in and replace Harry Maguire. Yeah, with
0: Maguire, Maguire, it's, it's like I was just saying before, it's the fact that, For United, it's not even a case of him being let down as much as his individual errors, to be honest. When you watch him at United, there's been so many individual errors. I mean, if anyone's watched the last few United games where he's been turned so easily... Um, he's been caught out of position so many times, and it's it's strange because in his first season he was actually a player that we really missed. I remember in after the uh, sorry prior to the Europa League final, when so many players were gutted that he had to miss the final because he was one of our better players that season. Uh, but I think for England he's just he, he he's so much more protected, and he's in a system that suits him way way more. It, it hides his flaws, I would say where he, he's not exposed as much to his lack of pace because he's got, for example, Kyle Walker, who is super quick and he's got John Stones, who's pretty quick as well um, alongside the fullbacks. But I'm struggling to think of many English centre-backs right now who could actually take his place because there is a bit of a shortage, you would say. Yeah, there's. Really, I mean, the only one I could think of is probably someone like Ben White. But I mean, even still, I, I wouldn't feel massively confident with him at centre-back. So I do think... Southgate is going to stick to what he knows, which is the fact that when Maguire puts on an England shirt, he knows what he's going to get from him. He knows that he's going to be pretty solid at the back. He's not put a foot wrong in the last two tournaments, to be honest. Um, If anything, he's been, well, he was in the team of the tournament in the Euros alongside Shaw. So it clearly shows that. And the fact that United pretty much bought him off the premise of him having great tournaments in the World Cup and the Euros. So, I mean. It's difficult because in the past we've always criticised, for example, like Sven-Goran Eriksson and whoever else for choosing players based on the fact that you know they play for the bigger clubs or they got signed for the most money. But in this circumstance, I don't think he's got much other options to actually pick. To
3: be honest, what about Marcus Rashford then, Marley? There was a time when he was. England's promising player in the Premier League but his performances for England in the Euros led to suggestions that he wasn't fully fit that he was carrying an injury his performances for Manchester United have been off the boil recently as well and it's a position that Manchester United uh, England sorry have got a real depth in so is he now on the periphery of that England squad do you think he is as Joel says he's a as a bench player and nothing more
4: yeah uh yeah I'd probably agree with that um he's you know he's, yeah, he's, he's lost his way a little bit but I think with with Rashford he's got the quality he will come back um, he's not you know a spent force or anything like that I think it's just a, a confidence thing and if you look at the state of Man United at the minute it's not hard really to understand why there's been no sort of there's no permanent manager there right now um, we've had the you know the the last couple of years have been all over the place for for everybody with the pandemic and football stopping and starting and coming back and all the rest of it so i, I don't sort of it's not a mystery as to why he's not sort of playing his best but i think he'll he'll come back he just needs a, a, the right manager for him in the summer where whoever man united go and pluck out the lucky hat to uh, to get their job um it it doesn't it doesn't matter um too much as long as as long as Rashford gets that confidence back, because as with all as with all footballers, but especially attacking players, once the confidence comes back, they can go you know into a you know to a, a new level. You look at Lingard last year going on loan to Man, uh, to West Ham from Man United and, mm, and just going yeah. to a, a ridiculous level we never knew, well we'd kind of forgotten he'd had or maybe he'd never proved he had. So with Rashford, I think he's been there and he just needs to get back there. So. I don't think his England place is under threat because, with you know, there's probably more wingers in the in the squad than any other position really, um, because we've got so many you know Grealish, Foden, Sancho, Sterling, um, and then you got Rashford sticking to that mix. And there's the added bonus of him being able to play two positions, um, with him being able to play through the middle up front as well. If if Harry Kane isn't firing on all all cylinders, you could play Rashford up front there. Um, up front and lead the line, so I still think he's got a big part to play. I don't think South gets the type of man to to give up on people. He he is that kind of sort of Uncle Gareth role um, of you know putting you know, putting his arm around you and, and getting getting the best out of you and saying look I am going to stick by you because you've you've served me well in the past that that kind of thing. So I think he's uh, he's still got time time on his side. He's still got the rest of this season and the start of next season before we go to Qatar.
3: Um, And by that point, you know, hopefully everything's a bit more straightforward for him. Like I say, we're thinking at the moment as if the World Cup was tomorrow. Gareth Southgate announcing his squad. We've already highlighted some question marks over certain players. Calvin Phillips, Harry Maguire, Marcus Rashford, Harry Kane, potentially as well. So I want you both to make a wild card pick. Someone that you think on current form could make it into... That squad. We might have mentioned them already. We might not have. I'm going to let you both pick one player that you'd like to see included. Joel, you can go first. Uh, it's not so much a wild card,
0: but I think it's just someone who's going to break that starting eleven that Southgate's pretty much cemented. I'd probably say Jude Bellingham. I just think that with the fact that Calvin Philip Calvin Phillips is literally been out for the entire season. And Jude Bellingham's having a really good season in Dortmund at the moment, obviously apart from the game yesterday. Um, I think he's just way he scored, better though, to be fair. To... Yeah, true, true. And he, he does score a few in the Champions League as well. Um, so yeah, I'll probably choose Bellingham. I think he would complement Rice really well and we haven't seen it massively. I don't think he's started many games next to him. So I'd like to test that out as well, especially with one more year under his belt um, in Germany.
4: Uh, I'd I'd love to see Bellingham in the in the starting eleven as well. To be fair, um, I just don't think England are playing the, the best system for him at the minute. Not not similar to what Dortmund are doing. But, um, as for a, a bit of a wild card, someone who hasn't been capped before, I'd probably go and have a look at um, Jacob Ramsey at Aston Villa, um, who seems to be. Really stepping into his, coming into his own at, uh, at Villa playing sort of centre midfield in a in a midfield three box to box like likes to get into the, get into the box and, and nicking a few goals lately as well and taking them really well and linking up with the likes of Coutinho he scored a couple of goals the other week and Steven Gerrard said that you know he's at a level where you know I've been round England and he's at that level um so if he's if he's saying that. Southgates definitely looking at him um and with friendlies coming up in you know in in 3 or 4 weeks time whatever it is um that could be the the sort of time to introduce him maybe and with that once you get your first cap you know as long as you don't do anything wrong it's hard to stay out of the uh, what it's easier to get into the squad so i would think with with Southgate's track record of promoting youth players uh, he'll be looking at Jacob Ramsey pretty soon, if not already,
3: um, and maybe sticking him in the squad. Well, he's got 276 more days to make an impact. That's how far we've got until the World Cup. Feels like it's coming hot on the heels of European Championships. We'll be there before we know it. But there is another weekend of Premier League action to get out of the way before we get anywhere closer to that. And we're going to talk about that next. We've picked some choice picks from the Premier League action to discuss next on Football Social Daily. <laughs>
2: At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the US, excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Football's
1: Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk.
3: Welcome back to Football Social Daily. For this podcast, we've teamed up with Who Knows Wins, which is a new sports game game where you take on your mates, your families, your colleagues, you pit your wits against each other for real money and for bragging rights to see who can predict the outcome of various sporting events. Now, me, Joel, Niall, Marley are all playing who knows wins at the moment. We've made our picks in the pick 10 league ahead of the weekend where you pick the results of 10 Key football matches. We're going to talk about that shortly. If you want to do this too, if you want to play against us, you can get the free app now. You can find it in the Play Store or in the App Store on uh, your Apple device, and you can get it there, download it for free, deposit some money in your account, and then you can enter the league. So like I say, you are betting real money, but if you're fed up with just handing your money over to the bookies all the time, you actually hand your money over to other players now. The Pick 10 League we're doing, for example, has a £6,000 prize fund. So you don't necessarily need to get all 10 right in terms of your win, lose, or draw, but whoever performs best out of everyone in the league gets the jackpot and then it kind of filters down through the other positions in the league as well so you might only get four right for example you've still got a chance of getting that cash so that's what we're doing this weekend you can play along you can download the app now you can get it from the app store or google play you can have a go in the pick 10 league and play against us we're going to give you some insight into what our picks are shortly as well starting with aston villa versus watford which is getting more and more important, the Watford pick up points now. But do they have a chance, Marley? Not necessarily in this game, but do they have a chance of staying in the Premier League or are they now just preparing for life in the Championship?
4: Uh, I would go with the latter, to be honest. Um, I don't I don't think Watford have got anywhere near enough. I don't think the defence is good enough. I don't think their attacks are good, good enough. Um, I think Emmanuel Dennis will fade away um and not score too many goals from now to the end of the season. Uh or at least not enough to, to score more than the defence concede. Um I think they've got problems in goal. And I think the manager, Roy Hodgson coming in, yes he's stable but he's he's placid and he's you know, he doesn't shoring up Watford I don't think he's enough. I think they, they need something everywhere. Um and I think he's He's just going to take them down with, with a bit of a whimper, to be honest. Um, I can't see them staying up. I I think every team in the league, especially with now Norwich, we've got Dean Smith. I think every team in the league is better than Watford. Um, and I think they'll just go straight back down and sack Hodgson in the summer and bring in someone else and probably come back next year and have another go and make the same mistakes and sign random
3: players no one's ever heard of and do the same again. There's a bold call from Marley. Watford might sack their manager. Who would have seen that one coming? What do you think about Emmanuel Dennis, Joel? Because Marley says he's going to fade away. I've been really impressed with him this season. He's been the one bright light for Watford. And I can see potentially some big clubs sniffing around him for a move. Do you think he's got another level in him? Could you see him at a... Next step step up club. So I guess we're talk, we're talking maybe like an Aston Villa, somewhere like that.
0: Uh well in the short term, Watford better pray to God that he has another level in it, <laughs> because if he doesn't, I think they're going straight back down <laughs> again. Um a- a- along with like Ismail Sar as well, who's kind of faded a little bit. But yeah, with with Dennis, I don't know if it's a kind of um like a bit of an Zaki type season, a Michu <laughs> type season, you know, where they break out and everyone thinks, Oh my god, this guy's the next Michu, best thing. Yeah, oh we, we that is great. He was so close to getting a Spain call up as well, but the form just preceded him. Um but it's I don't know if it's another case of that where it becomes flavor of the season, he scores a good amount of goals and then he ends up going to, you know, like you say, like an Aston Villa or a Leicester or someone like that, and you just don't even hear from them again. So sometimes it can be just the perfect Time, the perfect place, the perfect players around him, where they can perform, and then suddenly the next season they absolutely drop off a cliff. But he's only he's only pretty young, and I still think he's he's got a lot longer to go in terms of developing a bit more. But to get nine, I think he's got nine goals this season in the Premier League, which is like the fourth or fifth top scorer. I mean, for a, for a side that's battling relegation. You'd be surprised that that side is actually battling relegation because nine goals is a, a big amount for a, a side who are at the bottom. So, yeah, it's, he needs to really pick up his form soon. Otherwise, Watford are going to be
3: um, yo-yoing back to the championship again. Well, but Aston Villa then, Marley. Steven Gerrard came in a few months back with great fanfare and he had some decent results at the start. They've dropped off a little bit. Is he still the man for the job? Can you see any questions over his ability? Or is he just managing a... Team to its ability in Aston Villa, and you can't expect miracles. Uh, I think they're they're doing all right. To be fair, there's been a definite definite
4: improvement. Um Coutinho's given them another dimension in attack. Uh, he's obviously he's very creative, and he's chipped in with a few goals already as well. So I think Villa are doing all right. It's, they've, I think they've still got to find the best um, the best formation, best system because I think. Ings or Watkins is is in the team at the minute, and they can't really um, fit them both in. Um, and I think that's what Dean Smith tried to do earlier this season by playing uh, five at the back and and three in midfield with them two paired together up front. But now you've got Coutinho, and uh, um, you know the the players they've brought in just don't suit that system. So you're looking at that and thinking they are they're they're close to the sort of best I think, but you've got to. You've got to sort of see what happens between now and the end of the season. I think Ings is probably their the most natural goal scorer, but Watkins is probably worth more money long term, so you're probably trying to get Watkins in that team a little bit more. Um, but the their the level of play has been has been better. Um, I was pleasantly surprised that they were poor when they came to Newcastle last week, because um, they didn't really create too much and we, we kept them pretty quiet. But... I feel like that was more of a, a Newcastle thing than a Villa thing playing poorly. um and the only the only question mark I've ever had over Gerard since he's been at Villa is is the way that he, the way he looked um when the, when they were 1-0 down to Newcastle with about 10 minutes to go and he was sat slumped in his chair like not even didn't even look bothered he looked like a kid who'd been told off by his parents or something like that it was really strange because um, they were only one goal away from from nicking a point and you know, I think he just got fed up with the fact that they were banging their heads against a brick wall type of thing and, and not making any breakthroughs. Um, but other than that, I think I think Villa will, they'll they'll do fine. They'll finish somewhere around eleventh or
3: twelfth and uh, and sort of gear up for next season. As you said, Aston Villa lost to Newcastle last time out. Will they slip up again against another relegation candidate? What are we gone for in who knows wins in this scenario? I don't think it's any surprise. I've gone for an Aston Villa win in my picks. What have you gone for, Marley? Uh, yeah,
4: Villa win for me. Um, yeah, just for all all the above reasons. Watford are poor and Villa will probably be stinging from that result as well uh, against Newcastle. So. He'll, Gerard will demand the response, and I think he'll get it.
3: Full house, Joe? Yeah, I've gone
0: along with the other 91% of people who picked Aston Villa as well. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I mean, you need a differential in this type of game, but I'm not sure that's the game to pick the differential on. uh, Right, next game, Manchester City versus Tottenham I've picked, which is an interesting one, particularly with the noises that Conte has been making over the last week. He's been whinging and moaning and grumbling about his team's winning mentality and the negative impact of the January transfer window. What's he playing at, Joel? Because, I mean, he can't actually make any more changes to his squad now. Is he trying to motivate them? Is he sending a message to Daniel Levy? What's it going to do to the players on the pitch? It seems like already Conte's era at Spurs is kind of crumbling a little bit.
0: And is anyone surprised? Because I'm definitely not. Um, <laughs> I mean, the only reason he's doing this is because he didn't get the players he wanted. In this, in January, it was, it was pretty clear from the start that he wanted Luis Diaz, who he seemed to be making progress with and Adama Traore, they were the two guys he wanted and he didn't get neither of them and he ended up having to go back to his old club and getting two fringe players and don't get me wrong the decent quality but I mean Conte had a plan and he wanted Luis Diaz and Adama Traore to fit his system which is very specific and the fact that he's had to use Paratici to go back to his old club and get two guys who Juventus were willing... like They, they didn't put up a fight to let, like keep him to, at Juventus. They, they were willing to let them go. I think it tells you a great amount about the, the situation they're in, to be honest. And as we know with Conte, at, at every other club that he's been at, if he doesn't get the right players and the right backing, he will flip up tables and chairs. And Daniel Levy would have known this long, long, long time ago, especially in the summer when he actually... Didn't manage to agree a deal with Levy purely based on, I'm guessing, it was to do with the backing and many other reasons, but this is something, the writing was on the wall, I don't think anyone should be surprised at it, and considering, I think this is the worst game that Tottenham could have, especially after the form that they're on and his comments, because... You know, like I always keep mentioning Tottenham, uh, um, sorry, uh, Manchester City are Ivan Drago in the league and especially when they smell some blood, which is what's going on at Tottenham at the moment, they're going to finish them off. So I think it's going to be a pretty relatively, not easy, but I think it'll be a routine win for Manchester City. Um, and I just don't see Tottenham causing them any problems and I was looking at the stats and Tottenham have not won at Manchester City in the Premier League since 2016. So...
3: It's not looking good for them um, and I've I've backed Manchester City as well. Even Drago did lose in the end, remember, so I'm not sure if Man City are that similar to even Drago. They are miles <laughs> ahead in the league at the moment, putting a great performance in the Champions League midweek, Marley. I mean, it's the only hope for other Premier League teams at the moment that maybe the Champions League distracts them and they take their foot off the gas. But again, does that, does that happen to Gradiola teams? He seems to have such a focus and, and so many talented players at his disposal that... He can fight on all fronts.
4: Uh yeah, I mean the squad is the squad's good enough that if you if you split it in half you'd probably back the Man City B team to get to the, at least the Champions League semi finals and finish second in the Premier League or or at least in the top four. Um <laughs> but that's you know, that that's that's what a, a top club does and that's what Man City are and that's what Spurs and are, are nowhere near right now. So I can just see it being a, a pretty simple, straightforward um result for for Man City at the weekend, I can't see, it would be ultimate, like, football to for Conte to, to go and turn turn it round and, and get a win, like, it would be with typical, uh, you know, uh, no logic to it or anything, but I feel like it's just going to be another one of them where Conte sits through, well, shouts and screams through 90 minutes of it, and then he realises that it's even bigger than he thought it was and you know it's been getting worse week on week for him recently. And then when Man City have 70% possession and stick three goals past him on Saturday night, it's going to be like, Christ, it's even worse
3: than I thought it was. So I'm assuming we're not going for Tottenham in any way or shape or form in this one. I've picked City. Same for you boys? Yeah. Yeah, City for me. Standard. Right, final game. Palace versus Chelsea. Now, I think Chelsea fans might feel a bit disappointed with this season so far. I expected Chelsea to be challenging for the Premier League. I don't know whether it's just because City have been so good, it's impossible to keep up with them. But what problems has Thomas Tuchel had? I think you it's, said uh, Chelsea would win the Premier League. I did, if I remember I, rightly. I, I, I put money on Chelsea winning the Premier League, so I don't think I'm going to get that one back. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, what, what's the one, one? If They've got the squad, though, Marley, haven't they? So is the problem purely yeah, Tuchel yeah. hasn't been able to pick the right players? He doesn't know his best 11, which has been a problem for Chelsea for the last couple of managers arguably
4: I, I think he knows his best 11 they're just not playing very, playing well enough everything from you know the defence and midfield and the wing backs are all working fine when he's when they're all fit but it's the strikers Um, he's I, I do feel a bit sorry for him because what more can you do than spend 150 million pound on two strikers and they both turn out to be you know duds basically you know Look, uh, Werner's done. You know he's he's tried, but it just hasn't worked for him. Um, hasn't quite learnt the offside rule yet. So he's uh, you know o- always getting caught in 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 silly positions. And then you got Lukaku, who's, who's came in. Give it six months, and looks like he's not asked anymore. And it's, <laughs> like how can you how can you see that coming as a as a um, as a as a club that's going to buy someone? You know he's he's scored a hundred odd goals in the Premier League. Um, he wants to. He wanted to leave Inter, he wanted to give Chelsea another go. Everything about that move said, you know what, maybe this time it'll work for him because he'll have the determination. He's clearly got the quality. We've got the system for him. We've got uh, the, the money for him. We've got the number nine shirt. We've got everything you could possibly need for Lukaku to succeed at Chelsea. But it just hasn't worked. And he's and talking about, oh, I love Inter. Uh, I'd love to go back there one day. And everything's just sort of spiraling out of control really for, for that and then you look at who the well the thing that rubs it in for me the most about Chelsea is the fact that the two guys they've let go Tammy Abraham it, um, is scoring goals in, in Roma I think he's got 15 or 16 this season something like that and even top
3: scoring Englishman in across all Europe's leagues isn't he?
4: I think so yeah um or he was a few weeks ago, but yeah, I think that's it. That is still the case, yeah. And then you look at um, Armando Brojar at, at Southampton, and even he's you know banging in goals, and you'd probably back him to to be leading the Chelsea line if he'd uh, if he'd stayed um, at Stamford Bridge in the in the summer, you know. So, but obviously he's thinking Lukaku's came in, Werner's came in. We've also got Havertz, Pulisic, Mount. Uh, I'm not going to get a game, um, and you couldn't blame him for leaving on loan. But yeah, imagine if he'd uh, if he stuck around, he could be the guy trying to get Chelsea's um, you know season back on track, kind of thing. What about
3: Crystal Palace then, Joel? Patrick Vieira came in, changed their style, looked really impressive early doors. But at the moment, they've not won a game in five. They've drawn with Norwich and drawn with Brentford in recent weeks. So after a really positive start, it's kind of drifted a little bit for Crystal Palace. I don't think they'll be too disappointed with where they find themselves in the league at the moment, though. How does Patrick Vieira get things back on track? What's changed over the last few weeks for them? Yeah, well, to be honest, well, Crystal Palace
0: are the only team who have made Manchester City look a little bit average this season. So I give them props for that. Uh, but I think a big part of it has just been the amount of draws that they've had. They've got I think the second highest amount of draws in the league this season, where they just can't convert them into wins. Um, I just think that there was a period of time where you had you know Conor Gallagher who was really firing. He seems to have faded slightly in recent weeks, um, and also the forward line as well. I think Edson um not scored in quite a bit so it's just that i think it's just the fact of getting the goals in the back of the net they've they've struggled quite a little bit and it's especially in the defensive areas as well that i don't think they've they've not kept a clean sheet in around a month so there's a few areas around the pitch where i think they're lacking a lot and it's difficult for a club like palace at this stage of the season where you know you're pr- you're pretty much relatively safe from relegation and you're too far from going for any type of european spots you're in a bit of a like a lull You you don't know whether to come or go. There's not much to to fight for in the season left now, apart from just finishing as highly as possible. So I I wonder, and it'd be interesting to hear from ex-pros about this kind of area, where do you lose motivation when it comes to this stage of the season, where you can't go up or down, you're just stuck in the the middle of the table and just battling to get the highest position you can. Uh, but I I, have, I think Crystal Palace have been one of the more brighter sides this season, especially with their forward line. They've got so many talented uh, forwards like Zaha, uh, Elise, uh, Eb- uh, Eze, and they're just full of flair and full of creativity, and I just think it might take a little bit of time for them to click, but... I wouldn't be surprised if they throw up a decent result against Chelsea just because I just don't think Chelsea are everything that they they were made out to be and I think they should have way more criticism than what they're actually getting because they spent a hell of a lot of
3: money um, and they're they're nowhere near Liverpool and City in terms of quality. It's interesting, all the players we're mentioning that have had dips in form, Lukaku and Gallagher and Dennis, their dips in form have all coincided perfectly with me bringing them into my fantasy football team. So I'm wondering (laughs) whether I've got some kind of hold over them ability-wise. Right, final game, Palace versus Chelsea. What are we going? I I feel like, Joel, you might be edging towards a shock result here. What have you picked? I've gone for a draw, which is 11% of other users who've picked that. I just think
0: that when it comes to these kind of London derbies... I feel as though Crystal Palace are going to really up the game for it, and I just don't think Chelsea are in incredible. Well, to be fair, they've they've not lost in quite a long time, Chelsea. But I do think that Crystal Palace might uh, end up throwing a decent result and putting a performance. I've gone for
3: a draw. I'm in that eleven percent as well. I've picked a draw for this one. What about you, Marley?
4: I'm I'm really tempted by the draw. Um, I think both teams have lot have drawn three of the last five games, so that is kind of the. Uh the the sort of logical thing, but because I'm trying to beat you two in the league, I'm going for a Chelsea win. <laughs> and if and if, and if... <laughs>
0: What, along with eighty seven percent of 100%, users.
4: <laughs> because at least I'll beat you two if they do win and they should win. <laughs> but you know, they've got to get it back on the Got to get it back on track this this season quickly um, and no better way to start than Crystal Palace.
3: As Marley highlights there, it's not just about winning the cash, it's about bragging rights with your mates as well. If you want to play against us and everyone else who knows wins, you can get the app now, download it from the App Store or Google Play, deposit some money in your accounts and take us on in the pick 10 league there'll be details on our social media later as well at the sports social on twitter if you fancy having a go at that right next on football social daily we're going to turn our attention to europe i didn't even realize there was a game last night for leicester city until niall reminded me but they did play last night in that europa conference league and they had an impressive win as well we'll talk about it next briefly on football social daily
1: football social daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk.
3: Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Find a bit of today's show. It's going to be a quick one, this. And there's a reason why we have put Leicester's win over Randers last night. Uh, last, because it is isn't the Europa Conference. I'm not sure anyone cares. Even Brendan Rodgers has been really dismissive about this competition. But there's no arguing with the result here. The Foxes won 4-1. 23 shots on goals, which is a decent result whoever you're playing against, but at the end of the day, this is the Europa Conference, Marley. Should the expectations for Leicester City fans be anything less if they're going to take it seriously? Anything less than winning this? Uh, no, not nothing less
4: than that. To be honest, um, I, I said, I think I said yesterday they they need to, they need to win this. Really, um, that would represent, you know, a, a decent season, like they qualify for the Europa League. They might still qualify for for the Europa League through the league as well. So it takes that sort of um, pressure off it. And you can always be the first one to win the Europa Conference League. And how that sort of looks in, in history, we don't know. Um, it'll probably be forgotten about and the, the, the tournament might get binned off in six or seven years. But who cares? It's still a European trophy. Like if you're in the competition, you might as well try and win it, in my opinion. Um, and while you're playing teams like Randers, you know, it's uh, it's it's almost shooting practice. It, it was last night, I think. Um, the probably the man of the match was Randers goalkeeper, who, who made quite a few really good saves. Um, but Leicester were, were, were they were far too strong, and they should be too strong for most other teams in this um, in this competition. The likes of Marseille are in it at the at the business end, and there's a couple of others as well that might give them a game, but ultimately, you're looking at Leicester and thinking, like, if you don't go very, very deep in this competition, then there, maybe there is something wrong because, like, Rogers isn't really, he's sort of under a little bit of pressure. Um, and I, I almost feel like it's a bit of an unwinnable situation um, for him because if you beat Randers like they did last night, everyone goes, well done, it's only Randers. Um, like Michael Owen sticking them goals past the uh, the thirteen year old goalkeeper and well done he's thirteen type of thing. <laughs> um, but and then if if you lose to to anyone really in this competition, it's so embarrassing and it could get you the sack. Um, if you lose to Randers, you know, and go out for example, that is like such a such an embarrassing thing and, and that could really spell the end of Rodgers. So it's a bit of a tightrope really because you don't want to give it up. Um, because ultimately that, that will lead to embarrassment. So, do you, for for me, you might as well go and try and win it, even though you, you claim you don't know what it is. Um, and they they've started off well well enough in the in the knockout stages last night. They pretty comfortable against Randers. I think um, they only scored from from their like a very rare attack um, to to equalise. But then, you know, the, Leicester just had far too much going forward and pretty much all over the
3: pitch. So. Decent, uh, decent start from them and why not go and try and win it while you're in it? Everything does have that caveat, obviously, the little asterisk with it's only Randers. But it was another good game for Kin and Dewsbury Hall, Joel, who's been impressive in recent weeks. He's put in some decent performances in the Premier League as well. I was impressed with his performance against West Ham. Have Leicester City uncovered a gem here? I mean, he's 23, so he's a bit of a late bloomer in modern football terms. But is this another potential star for the future?
0: I think it's a bit too early to say because when you look at the opposition, I mean, I think all, all, us three might have a decent opportunity of looking like a star man in against them. So um, I think... It, yeah it's, it's too early to say obviously it'll be good for him to get a goal uh, in a European game and obviously it's the perfect competition to start using your younger players who are not getting much chances in the Premier League because I mean Brendan Rodgers is probably easy either way if they go if they win this or they don't win this but I mean there's good incentive there to go into the Europa League if they do so he's fielded a pretty strong side as well and I think Dew- probably one of the more talented players is he was alongside a really good midfield as well of Thielia Manzin, and Didi. I'm just pleased that indeed he's finally allowed to play in midfield after just put constantly playing in defense for the last three months, um, which is where he's way better at in midfield. So yeah, potentially it could be an uncovered gem, but it's, it's, it's just too too soon to say you need to develop a consistency, especially in the Premier League. Uh, as we've seen, you know, for example, with Jacob Ramsey, he's, He's been the one who I would say isn't a, a, unco- a gem that's been uncovered just for the fact that he's he's putting in performances against the biggest sides in one of the most tough ta- uh, in one of the most tough leagues in the world. So yeah, he needs to prove himself in in the games that matter. But I think it's a good start for him, and um, I'm sure he'll gain confidence playing in a European game like that.
3: The slight blot on the result last night, Marley was James Madison went down on the pitch with no one around him. He was able to walk off the pitch unaided. So. That's a positive sign, but in these modern days of extra monitoring of players' health and heart issues and whatnot, should the Foxes fans be concerned about this one? Has any news come out in the last 24 hours that should alleviate those fears a little bit?
4: Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. It's it's weird, isn't it? Because I, I don't know why this is happening so much. Um, I don't know. I've not heard any news on him either, like... Either way, I think I think he's fine. Uh, Rogers said afterwards that. Or yeah, uh,
0: Brendan Rogers has said that he wasn't feeling well, so they yeah. have taken him off, and he, they've spoken to him, and he feels fine. So, yeah. hopefully, it's nothing right. more than that.
4: Yeah,
3: so it could, could just but, be a stomach bug. I mean, Kurt Zuma at the weekend he was pulled out pre-game because he was feeling dizzy after suffering a stomach bug, so it could be as innocuous as that, I guess. Yeah,
0: sorry, Rafa Varane as yeah.
4: well. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully he's fine. You know, you don't want to don't want to see that, um, especially as he's. He's so young as well. I think he's he's like twenty five or something. So, um, yeah, hopefully he's he's all right because you don't. The worst thing you see, I think they, they, they um they took his uh took his pulse on the on the pitch. I think last night. So that's that's worrying. But I'm sure they'll you know they'll do all the checks in it. He should be he should be all right. So hopefully he can just bounce back and, and get his and get his best form back as well. Because you know we're talking about England before James Madison's. More than good enough to get into that squad and and push into that team if he's playing to his to his top level. Um,
3: so hopefully he can uh, he can get that back. As you say, there were reports he was feeling unwell, but that's kind of the extent of it at the moment there's been no news from leicester city since that game or james madison himself on social media there's been no posts there no updates so we can just hope and keep our fingers crossed that all is well but that is it for today's football social daily thank you very much for listening we'll be back again later on today we'll have nile mccorn here with the dugout joined by two former pros today it is sol bamba and who's the other one marley who else is with uh, <laughs> nile on the dugout
4: it's a debut for Matty Fryett from right, a Leicester
3: Fryett. player. I used to live in Leicester around the time Matty Fryett was playing for Leicester. So I've seen him play many times. So Sol and Matty on the dugout later on today with Niall McCorn. Make sure you've clicked subscribe and follow to this podcast and we'll let you know when that is available. See you soon.
1: Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.